All right, how we doing? Thanks so much for being with us on your Christmas weekend. We made it. We did it. We are through the holidays. I don't know if that's how you feel. That's definitely how I feel. It has been a busy and chaotic month. And don't get me wrong, Christmas is one of my favorite holidays. But because it's been so hectic, because it's been so busy, I'm just ready for things to slow down a bit, just to get a little bit back to a slower rhythm. I don't know if that's how you feel. Maybe not. Maybe you're sad that Christmas is over. You're already counting down the days till next Christmas. 364 more days to go till it's Christmas again, whether you're sad, whether you're glad. I'm just so excited that you're here with us this weekend. I hope you had some time to slow down yesterday, Christmas, and just take a little rest, take a little break, and have a merry Christmas. Like I said, for us and our family, this last month has been chaotic, and it's been very busy. And I'm going to give you some backstory as to why it's been so chaotic, why it's been so busy. Uh, my kids, the last couple of years, they have been asking for a brand new dog, a brand new puppy. It's been on their last couple Christmas lists. It's been on their letters to Santa. They want a new dog. And every time they've asked, Lauren, I said, there is absolutely no way we are getting another dog. We already have a 70-pound Labradoodle named Zoe. She is all the dog that we need, but they keep asking. And every time they ask, we say, no, there's 0% chance. Then they had all these reasons as to why. We need a smaller dog, Dad. Zoe's so big, we can't carry Zoe around. We need just a small little puppy that we can carry around. Or Zoe can't sleep in the bed with us at night. We want a dog that can sleep in the bed. Get us a small dog that can sleep with us. My favorite is Zoe needs a friend. She's just so lonely. She doesn't have another dog friend in the house. Like, what, you would hate to be lonely, Dad. Why don't we get her another dog? I don't think Zoe was lonely. Zoe got plenty of love. But they had their reasons, and every time, 0% chance we're getting another dog. 0% chance. That's what they thought. That's what I thought. But little did I know is that they're begging, they're pleading, their reasons, they worked. And they worked on the one I would say is the hardest to convince, my wife, Laura. Just a couple months ago, she started showing me pictures on her phone of these cute puppies. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought she was just showing me cute puppy pictures that she had found online. But then I realized, oh, no, this is like, this are, these are puppies for sale. She's trying to say something here. And are we getting another dog? Are, I, she, I thought there was 0% chance. She's like, I just think it would be great for the kids for Christmas if this was maybe one of their Christmas presents. And at first I was taken back, but then I started to get excited because I'm thinking this will be the ultimate Christmas present. This will be the type of present that we're going to get those happy tears. They're going to be full of emotion. They're going to grow up their whole lives remembering we were incredible parents because that one Christmas where they really wanted that dog that they never thought that they would get, that they thought there was 0% chance, we gave it to them. We gave them the ultimate gift. They're going to remember this moment. We're going to get those happy tears. And so early December, Laura and I went and we picked up this brand new puppy. And because it's hard to hide a dog in the house for three weeks up till Christmas, we just decided we're going to have to give them this Christmas present a little early. And because today's a family experience together, I thought that I would bring our new family member with us to introduce you to her. So this is Olive the Australian Labradoodle. She's just five pounds of cuteness. She's so sweet, she's so fun. She has high highs and low lows, but she, 
She is a lot of fun. And we did get that moment as parents where when we gave them this gift, we got those happy tears. In fact, I captured that video for you. So we'll watch that real quick. This is my girls getting the dog for the first time. She says she knew it, she did not know it. But yes, we got those happy tears and this little one has been quite a joy in our family. So this is Olive and my kids were right. They have carried her everywhere. That dog, I don't even know if she really knows how to walk. She just gets carried around constantly. Um, But you know that saying, looks can be deceiving. That is absolutely the case here. This dog is so cute but she is also chaos and disruptive. She is a chaos to our schedule. She's disruptive to our sleep. Those girls carry her around so much that she doesn't get put down. And when she does get put down because Laura and I need to do something, she just cries the whole time to be picked back up. Or at night when we just want her to sleep by herself right now, because we're obviously still potty training, She cries. She wants to be picked up. We can't even sit down to have a meal at the table because she just cries. She wants to be held. She wants to be carried. She wants a seat at the table. And I think for a lot of us, that's often the case, right? In some form or fashion, we want a seat at the table. We just desire to be in community with others. And maybe that's how you feel right now. You just went from Christmas experiences with the family. It was chaotic. It was busy. Maybe you went out of town to visit people. Maybe you are in town to visit people. And today, maybe things just got a little bit quieter, almost too quiet. Or maybe for you, this has been an incredibly lonely season. Maybe you've just felt isolated. Maybe you didn't have anybody to spend the holidays with. Maybe you're mourning the loss of a loved one that's no longer with us this Christmas. Or maybe it's for you, it's the complete opposite. Maybe you've been so busy, your family's been so impossible, they've been so demanding. Your friends, they've been nothing but flaky and untrustworthy. Your boss, he's been unreasonable. The customers, the coworkers, they're draining you dry. Your significant other, they keep doing that thing that you can't stand that they do, but they won't stop doing it. Your roommate is messy. No one listens. No one cares. No one take. I mean, everyone just takes and they take and they take and they take. And you think to yourself, Christmas is over. I'm done. I'm just ready to go on a vacation. I'm ready to be alone. Just give me a beach. Give me a book. Give me some alone time or put me in a car. Give me the window down. I don't care where I'm going. Just let me put music on. Let me just be alone to recharge. And maybe, maybe you do need some alone time. Maybe you need that recharge. But that feeling of being alone and left alone, that can quickly transpire to a feeling of being lonely. Why? Because we were created to be in community. Look at what the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes. When the verse comes up on the screen, when we get to the red word, just say that out loud with us. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. 
This verse goes on to describe different ways that two is better than one. And then it finishes the verse by saying, but three is even better than two, for a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. So two's better than one, three's better than two, four's better than three, five's better than four. What the Bible is trying to communicate to us is the more community, the more faith-based community, the better, the stronger that you'll be. Do you know what the number one phobia for 2020 was? And then the no, it was up there in the top five this last year as well for 2021. Now some popular phobias would be the fear of spiders. Anybody have a fear of spiders in the room today? Your phobia of spiders? Yeah, a few people out there. Okay, another popular one's the fear of snakes. Anyone? More snake fears. Okay, more snake phobias. Yeah, another popular one's the fear of snakes, but it was neither spiders nor snakes. Top phobia for 2020, up in the top five for 2021, was the fear of other humans. The fear of intimacy or closeness with other humans, which is so ironic when some of the worst problems that we've seen throughout this entire pandemic have been isolation, loneliness, depression. One of our greatest fears is closing the door to one of our greatest needs. The point is we were created for community. God's whole reason for the creation of this world was to be in community with us, and to be in community with others. That's why he did it. He created the world to be in community with us. When you go out and you see all the beauty in nature, that was to be in community with us, to be in community with you, which in turn puts an innate desire inside of you to be not only in community with him, but in community with others. We weren't created to live this life on our own. So whether this has been an extremely lonely season for you or the people in your life have gotten on your last nerve, they make you feel all alone. We're gonna look at some ways we can make sure we live our best life in faith-based community. The life that God intended for us, to be in community with him, but also to be in community with others. You don't have to do it all on your own. You were never meant to. You have a seat at the table. And the story that we're gonna be looking at today, if you're following along in your Bible, is from Luke chapter 14, we're going to be looking at verse 16. Now, Jesus was a master at teaching. And he was a master at teaching through parables or stories to illustrate important ideas through everyday experiences. And this parable is going to be of the great feast. And if you're thinking to yourself, no, no more food. Nick, I ate like 100,000 calories yesterday. I don't want to talk about food. I don't need to be tempted into more food. Don't worry. This isn't about food. We're not going to ruin the diet you started two hours ago. Okay, well, or the resolution you're going to start next week. No, what I love about the book of Luke is we really get to see Jesus's love for table ministry. And in most accounts of Luke, Jesus is either at a meal, he's going to a meal, or he's coming from a meal. And it wasn't like he was just obsessed with eating. No, Jesus wasn't obsessed with what was at the table. Jesus was obsessed with who was at the table. And Jesus had the most interesting characters around his table. He sat with tax collectors, he sat with prostitutes. He sat with lepers, lepers, the lame. He sat with the broken, the hurting. So just a side note, if you walked in here today or you're watching online from your living room, you're watching inside a prison facility and you said to yourself, I don't, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I belong with these people. I don't know if I belong in this building. I don't know if this whole God thing's for me. I want to encourage you, he is, and you do belong here. You belong here and you have a seat at the table. So in Luke 14, Jesus has been invited to a very prestigious dinner. 
It was by a Pharisee, a Jewish religious leader, and Jesus is the guest of honor. The focus is all on Jesus. He's the guest of honor. Now, these Pharisees, they're threatened by Jesus. They're constantly trying to uh, trick Jesus into saying or doing something that they can hold against him. So this would not have been a very pleasant or fun dinner. This would have been a very tense meal. I don't know if you've ever been at a tense meal before, an awkward dinner, but that's what this would have been. I can think of a time in my own life. I went to, at an old job, I went to lunch with a, my boss and a coworker. My boss invited us out and said, you guys want to go get lunch? And so the two of us went with my boss to this lunch, me and my coworker. And before the food even hit the table, my boss says to my coworker, I don't want to wait the whole meal to have to say this. We're going to have to let you go. He terminates my coworker at the lunch before we've even eaten. We have to sit there the rest of that meal and act as if we're enjoying this food when it's just awkward. It's tense. It's not fun. Now, what's amazing about this dinner that Jesus is at is that Jesus loved these Pharisees so much, just as much as he loved the blind, the crippled, the broken, you, me. So if there was an opportunity to sit down with them and share a meal, even though he knew these men were not on his side, he accepted because he wanted to help them understand the error in their viewpoint on God and the error in their viewpoint on the world. And what was their error? Well, remember that these, these Jewish leaders, they're always trying to expose Jesus's compassion. And their error would have been that they would have been of the mindset that they would automatically have a rightful seat someday in God's kingdom. That they would, would have lived a life by the law that would have earned them that rightful seat. But what Jesus is trying to teach is that he would someday be their salvation, not the law, not their own works, that it would be through his invite that they would even have a seat. But they didn't want to accept that. So this chapter is really an example of Jesus's table talk. If you ever want to follow someone, if you ever want to model someone, I think some of the best times that you can learn about that person is just sitting down and sharing stories over a meal, right? Just really leaning in and listening to the words they have to say. So he's talking to the host, the one who did the inviting Jesus. He's talking to the host, but he's also talking to those that were invited, the other guests at the table. And Jesus is going to tell a story about a lost opportunity. And I think this story is a great example of how to maximize the opportunity God gives us in our own lives to be in faith-based community so that we're never alone. We never feel alone. So how do we fight loneliness? Well, the first thing we're going to see is in these verses is that you need to open your invite. Open your invite. Yes, you have an invite. You have an invite. You have an invite. You watching online or from a prison facility, you have an invite. I have an invite that we need to open. So Jesus and these Pharisees, they're around the table. They're sharing a meal and a man yells out, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. What a blessing it will be to someday attend this banquet. Now in making this statement, the one who made it is assuming that he will be in the kingdom of God, that he'll be attending this banquet or this dinner. He assumed he would be one of the blessed ones, one of God's people that would have earned his right to be in God's kingdom. But what he did not count on was the answer that Jesus was about to give him. So Jesus tells this story starting in verse 16. He says, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. 
but they all began making excuses. So back in those days, when you had a banquet, you had a great feast, not only did you get an invite early, but the day of, you had somebody come around and say, the food's ready, it's hot, go ahead and come. But they all began to make excuses. One man said, I can't go right now. I I just have some new land that I bought and I need to go check it out. I need to go see it for the first time. Another man said, I can't come. I just bought five oxen. I need to go try them out. Who are these men that keep buying things without even seeing or trying them first? Can you imagine going, putting an offer on a house that you haven't even seen a picture of or buying someone's 2002 Suburban for 20 grand that you haven't even test driven? right? They're silly excuses. You don't do that. The last man said, I can't come because I just got married and I have a wife. I feel like I can resonate with that excuse a little bit more, but Jesus thought that that was even a silly excuse. He's like, what are you talking about? Just bring her, come along. Silly excuses. But we can be like that too, can't we? Have you you ever been invited to something and everything in you just didn't want to go? You didn't want to show up, so you decline, only to find out that you missed out on something really incredible, really fun, the type of thing that gives you jealousy and FOMO. You ever had that experience? I can, I can remember uh, this one time for me, uh, my wife and I got invited to a concert of a band that we really liked. And not only were we invited, but we had friends that were friends of the band. So we had the invite. We also had free tickets through these friends that were friends of the band. So there should be no excuse why we didn't go. And when it was first being planned, I was so excited. I was having so much fun. But the day of the concert came around and I was exhausted. I was tired. Anyone else do this? You make plans. Everything sounds so fun. Everything sounds so exciting. But the actual day of the event comes around and you're just praying that it gets canceled so you don't have to go. Just everything in you. It's like this meme I saw of Stanley from The Office. It says, uh, the making plans when you're in a good mood on the left versus when the day comes around and you have to actually go. That is my life. That's how I always feel. So that day came around. I was exhausted. I was stressed. I didn't feel like getting ready to go. So I told Laura, you just go. You go have fun. I'm going to stay home. And so she went without me. And I don't blame her. And that whole night, I'm getting videos of the, of the concert. I'm getting phone calls from the concert. Have you ever gotten these phone calls where the person on the other end thinks that you can hear the concert as clearly as they can, but it's just this muffled noise. And they're like, it's your favorite song. That's what was happening. And then I was on this text thread where I was seeing that all my friends, my wife, they all got invited back to the green room after the concert to meet the band. I'm thinking I missed out on the show. I missed out on the screen room experience. Then the text thread turned into, where do you guys wanna go all get dinner with the band? So now they're going to dinner with the band after this green room experience that I missed, after this concert that I missed, I missed out. And not because I wasn't invited. No, I had an invite. It's because I didn't open myself up to accepting and receiving the invite. And oftentimes God puts people and situations right in front of us. It's the type of community that we hope for. It's the type of community that we pray for, that we get jealous that others have. Sometimes it's right in front of us. The invite is there, but we miss it by closing ourselves off to the opportunity. Because we have a list of excuses as to why we can't accept. I'm just too busy right now. Too much going on. I'm too busy. I can't, I can't go. Or I don't really fit into that group of people. That's just not me. Or we can even fall into the trap of thinking more people in my life. 
That just means more demands of me. And there are times we say no to things for very good reasons. I know I can resonate with, you know, what deserves your best yes, sayings like that, or sayings like learn to say, learn when to say no, just putting boundaries around your time and your schedule. But I also think we can say no too often. We can miss out on some opportunities that are meant to give us what we've desired, what we've asked for, what we need. I know our desire as a church is that everyone who walks through this door, everyone that walks in has an opportunity for faith-based community. You have an open invite, the type of community that's gotten me through my own life, the type of community that will have your back no matter what you're going through in life. It's helped me. And there's all sorts of community opportunities here. There's groups that meet out of homes that are just following and discovering Jesus together. There's a celebrate recovery ministry all about finding freedom from their hurts, habits, and hangups together. I knew I would get the cheer from celebrate recovery. I made sure that was, no. There's community for young adults. There's community that, for those of us that think we're still young adults, there's community for men. There's community for women, there's community for dads, there's community for moms. No matter what you're going through in life, we have a community environment for you. It's gonna help you, it's gonna have your back and it's gonna help you follow Jesus, unpack his best for your life, but you have to be open to the invite. Now you might be thinking to yourself, but more friendships, more relationships, that'll just be more chance that I'm hurt. Nick, I don't wanna be hurt, I don't wanna be let down. The answer to hurt in relationships is not to close up, not to decline the invite. The answer is to press into God's love, to ask for his strength. Your heart's gonna stretch, and it'll stretch a lot, but it's also going to grow. There really isn't another option. Life, it's about love. The author C.S. Lewis, uh, he is a, a convert from atheism. He wrote from his own experience. He said, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal, not even a five pound Australian cute labradoodle. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will become unbreakable. It will become impenetrable. And unfortunately, it will become irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. It's to be vulnerable. Love like Jesus. Open your invite to live with an open heart, open to others who are also pursuing a relationship with Jesus. You have to surround yourself in faith-based community. Our relationship with Jesus should be both personal and shared. Meaning it should be personal in the sense that you're called to a personal relationship with Jesus, but you're also called to a shared relationship in Jesus. I think oftentimes we realize we're called to a personal relationship with Jesus, but I think that we forget that we're called to a shared relationship in Jesus. God has a plan for us. And, and, and by us giving excuses as to why we won't accept the invite, we, help, we kind of ruin that plan that he has for our life. So we have to accept. We have to lean in to faith-based community, which leads us to the second way we can make sure we're not doing life on our own, and that's to fill an open seat. 
fill an open seat. I have a friend that every time we go to a sporting event together, a concert, uh, just any sort of venue that has a ticketed seat, he is always looking for a closer seat than the one he paid for. Does anybody else have friends like this? Or maybe you are that person, just always trying to find a closer seat that he can move to. And I've learned not to follow him in this expedition, in this adventure of finding the closer seat because I can't stand it. It's not my personality. I would rather sit in the worst seat far back as you could get if I knew that that was my seat, that I wasn't gonna be bothered and no one was gonna come up to me and say, you're sitting in my seat and have that awkward moment of having to stand up out of their seat, look for something quickly because you feel like all eyes are on you. But he must have had this conversation hundreds of times by now because he's always looking for this closer seat and he's always sitting in someone else's seat. So I asked him, I'm like, how do you do it? How are you not embarrassed of that conversation? He's like, oh, I'm not embarrassed at all. As a fan of that team and, and that seat being within cheering distance of that fan, screaming distance, cheering them on, I'm just glad that somebody's filling that seat. That team is playing their heart out down there. They deserve for every seat to be filled. And if I have to be the one to fill that seat, I'll see that as my obligation as a fan to fill that open seat. Now, what a perspective change. Here, I thought he was just trying to get a closer seat, which let's be honest, I still think that's part of the reason. But what a perspective change that there's an obligation to fill the open seat. And we find the same to be true when we're in the story of the great feast. This man, he's hosting a big dinner. He invites all his friends, the prestigious. They all start to give their excuses and they decline. So he then sends a servant into the streets into the alleyways. And he says, invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. He's not gonna let this feast go to waste. And we pick up in verse 22, where it says, we'll give him a second. Keep you hanging on every word. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Urge anyone you can. Other translations say, persuade, make, compel. The message translation even says, drag them into the house so that it will be full. Now, I'm not saying that any of us should go physically lay hands on our friends, our family, our neighbors, the Costco cashier, and drag them into church. It's not going to go over well for you. It's not going to go over well for them. But what Jesus is saying here is that there should not be an open seat at this table. It should be full. If we have room for more, then go find more. We're not done as long as there's people out there that could be right in here. Jesus is for everyone. So let me ask you, let me ask you, who in your life right now, what would it look like if the current relationships in your own life became faith-based relationships? What opportunities do you have in your own life right now to fill an open seat? Who in your life could you invite into the rescue that you've experienced, into church right now? God's probably putting someone on each of your minds. God's probably putting that person that could, that could use that rescue, that one friend that needs to hear that they have a seat at the table. 
That one family member whose life has been a wreck, has been a mess, and they need to know that they have a God that's for them. Commit yourself to praying for them and ask God for opportunities to invite them into the church community. You have a seat at the table, and once you're seated at this table, you're going to want everyone you know. You're going to want them to know that they have a seat as well. We have a responsibility to fill an open seat. So if you hear nothing else today, I want you to know that you have a seat at the table, and so do your friends, your family, your neighbors. They just need to know they have an invite. They just need to know they have that invite so they can open it in the first place. Now for many of us, the last two years, they've been incredibly, incredibly lonely. And it doesn't have to be that way. We can be open to accepting help for ourselves and we can reach out and make a difference in the lives of our friends, our neighbors. Listen, loneliness will never be able to stand against openness. Loneliness does not have a chance against openness, never. God made us for community. So when you get an invite, don't take up excuses. Take your seat. When you see an empty space at your table, reach out and fill that seat with somebody. Better yet, ask God to fill you with the same passion that he has, the kind of passion that nobody should be left behind. Then go out and fill all the seats and don't stop. Don't come up with excuses not to accept an invitation in community. Accept the invite. And don't ever, ever, ever give up on the people in your life that don't know Jesus right now. We've been given a seat that we haven't earned, that we haven't deserved at the table, so we should uh, tell others that they have a seat as well. That's our obligation. There's a seat for them. Take your seat, fill a seat. Take your seat, fill a seat. Accept your invite and invite others. We're made for community. And maybe you're in the room today and you're just now hearing that you have a seat at the table at all. Maybe you're saying, Nick, when I walked in here, I was surprised that the walls stayed up. I thought they were going to collapse all around me. I had no idea that I have a seat at the table with Jesus. I want to encourage you that you do. And he wants you to accept that invite. He wants you to take your seat at his table. And all you have to do to accept that invite, all you have to do to sit in that seat, it's just pray this prayer after me. We're going to give you an opportunity right now to take your seat, to accept your seat at the table. So if you want to name Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, the forgiver of your life, you want to spend eternity with him, just pray this prayer after me. If everybody could bow their heads and close their eyes. Just pray, God, I love you. I know that you lived a perfect life, Jesus. To go to the cross that you did not deserve and die that death for me. I want to accept that invite to your table. I want to spend eternity with you. So I name you my personal Lord. I name you my personal Savior. Come into my life. Transform me. I want to be in community with you, Father. And if for the very first time you're praying that prayer, if you were one that thought that you didn't belong here and you just found out that you have a seat at the table and now you're accepting that seat, would you just slip your hand up in the air real quick with everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed? Just say before me and others, like, I just made this, I made this commitment to follow Jesus, to accept my invite. Thank you for those hands, that courage, just declaring him your personal Lord and Savior. God, I lift these hands to you right now.
I ask that you be with them, that they realize that they now have that seat and they share that same passion to sit at your table with others. And let that be all of our goal, Father, to not only accept our, your invite to a personal relationship with you, but to accept the invite of being in community with others, in faith-based relationships, pursuing you together, Father. We know that we're better together. And let us not stop. Let us be filled with your passion and love for people that every time we see an open seat, we go out, we compel them, we persuade them, we make them, whatever we can do, Father, to get them in and fill that open seat. We love you. It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.